I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me is Joost van Houten, Chief Executive Officer of Sentinels. We have to address the elephant in the room first, Joost. You have been taken over by Fernergo, who provide digital solutions for KYC and client lifestyle management. What does this change in status mean for Sentinels and Sentinels business? The acquisition is indeed recent news. It's um, only six weeks ago that we announced it publicly. It's been in the making slightly longer. But for us, it's a logical next step as we start to focus on larger financial institutions. And the institutions that we serve and the larger ones that we start to serve, they are asking for uh, merging what are originally two siloed worlds of KYC and transaction monitoring. So the real rationale behind this is to bring together the the software that checks for the expectation on how a customer is going to behave and our software, which really looks at the ongoing behavior and can compare to that expectation when you're looking for the transaction behavior of a client of the financial institution. Well, let's talk about the current state of money laundering in Europe then. If you're an expert in transaction monitoring and you're increasing your reach, How come we've got a statistic like only 1% of AML cases have been leading to prosecution? Why is there a lag, do you think, in bringing people to book? So I think uh, the industry has been facing quite a a set of challenges. There's a few factors that drive the uh, ineffectiveness, uh, basically, and that number of just 1%, which is, of course, shocking. The first one is that most financial institutions still use a very generic detection approach when it comes to their transaction monitoring. What that means is they use simple business rules, which are if-else statements, and they apply it to their full uh, client portfolio. But uh, that's the equivalent of expecting that every client in the financial institution behaves in the exact same way. And that's an implicit assumption that underlies that generic detection approach. But that's not the case. Between you and I, we have very different transaction patterns. We live in different locations. We have different lifestyles. If you apply the same business rules to both of us, then what you get are a lot of false positive alerts. Those alerts, however, legally always need to be checked by a human being. So what financial institutions have been doing is they've been hiring more and more people, but that hasn't increased the effectiveness. And as the regulators also see that they're only catching only 1% of dirty money, they are becoming increasingly stringent, adding rules and regulations and enforcing them more strictly. As a response to that, the financial institutions are not changing their detection methods, but they are adding more of those business rules. But the only consequence of that is more alerts and them actually being stuck in this vicious cycle of adding more and more people. What's the answer to this? If it's not just adding more and more people, what can we do? What about smart transaction monitoring how does that work that's exactly uh what we're uh, what we're working on with uh, our our clients and what we want to achieve at scale so smart transaction monitoring uh, i think starts with the principle that you need to look at individual client behavior rather than at groups of clients or the entire client portfolio as a whole and you can achieve that with more specific business rules more intelligent uh, monitoring using, for example, machine learning and network analysis, and also by combining data from different sources, bringing together the worlds of KYC and transaction monitoring to get a more complete picture of every individual client of the financial institution. Really, our goal is to help those financial institutions to understand their clients better 
by bringing them the right context to make decisions on whether they're risky or not. One of the ways you make that decision is to look far more broadly at the data that you have available. And this is something that people have not been doing, but they're going to have to delve into historical transaction data as well, aren't they? Correct, yeah. The historical uh, transaction data of an individual or a company is probably the best source of information because it tells you something on how these clients have been behaving in, in the past. It's even richer or more valuable than just looking at the KYC information or the onboarding information that you gathered because people could be lying there. It's only when you see their true behavior that you really get into the nitty gritty of yeah if they are risky or not. Now, have banks been doing this on their own until now? And if they have been, they've missed a trick. Because if I'm bank A and I compare data with bank B, which is you, surely I'm going to get a clearer picture of whether a transaction is suspicious or not. Correct. And there's a couple of initiatives that are trying to bring basically the output of the transaction monitoring from the individual bank together and share them across different financial institutions. A big effort is happening in the Netherlands between the five biggest banks. Their uh, effort is called Transaction Monitoring Netherlands. We also do a form of this. We share across all of our clients already business rules and machine learning models so that they know uh, which detection methods are effective and they can also apply them, as well as that we identify risky patterns uh, that are then available for all of our uh, customers. What we don't do yet is exchange this is a risky actor, you need to watch out for it in the next financial institution. Well, one problem with doing that, of course, is you run straight up against something like GDPR. Correct. Yeah. And that's exactly why we're not doing uh, that form of sharing yet. However, I have uh, high hopes for encryption techniques providing the solution there. So uh, there will be methods of sharing information between different financial institutions without actually upfront sharing the personal identifiable information that GDPR uh, tells us that we cannot uh, share. Are you talking there about the anonymizing of data before it gets shared? Yeah, indeed, the form of anonymization and encryption. But the point at which you identify transactions as potentially suspicious, presumably then it can be shared. Yeah, exactly. So. There are already, in at least in most jurisdictions in Europe, there's in the AML juris, uh, regulations already a caveat that there's actually an expectation that financial institutions can call each other and uh, have a conversation around, hey, I see this risky pattern. It is from my bank to your bank. Do you also judge this as a risky transaction? And if they're allowed to do that, why aren't they allowed to do that with software and at scale? then the regulators become a little bit anxious and say, hey, well, GDPR is also a big factor. So it's just a small step that we need to uh, bridge. But I expect that this is one of the missing pieces in the puzzle to actually uh, make a bigger impact uh, on financial crime. From your perspective, if you were talking to a regulator now, what would you be telling them needs to be done? I would stimulate them to set up sandbox environments that you don't immediately try to do this at uh, a very large uh, scale, but you create the right environment for them to be able to experiment with one another, maybe with slightly looser regulation around GDPR or with an anonymized data set. And that would stimulate innovation, bring together the parties 
in the market, so both the financial institutions as well as a few software vendors, and let them compete and try to find what is the best solution. Okay, let's talk about something that you have done now. We need to talk about Kevin. What have you done for Kevin? Kevin and for those those people who don't know, Kevin is an open banking enabled payments fintech. And you correct me if I'm wrong, but Sentinels has just signed a deal with Kevin. So we, we serve them with our transaction monitoring solution and help them to monitor uh, in those transactions uh, different financial risks, uh, financial crime risks along uh, money laundering, uh, terrorist financing and others. Basically, we've uh, configured a detection engine for them, which has a, a mix of scenarios that allows them to look for those risks. And then we've also offered them a case management uh, solution. Uh, where their risk and compliance analysts can dive into alerts that our engine flags and uh, collaborate on them, investigate them, and ultimately file them with the local regulator. And this is the sort of thing that could be done at much greater speed than in previous incarnations of AML uh, regulation, or not AML regulation. It can be done at speed in a way that previous AML departments wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah, so our, our aim is threefold. We want, of course, uh, that our clients are compliant with all of the relevant rules and regulations that apply to them. Second, we want to uh, enable better detection, so a higher effectiveness of uh, the detection engine and more accurate alerts and less alerts, preferably. And finally, we want to in increase the efficiency so that as they scale up, and this is a fast growing company that we're talking about, their compliance team doesn't grow linearly with their number of transactions. And so what really helps there is uh, providing an intuitive uh, case management solution and doing smart things around grouping of similar alerts so they can be handled in bulk. And that really brings down the workload of the risk and compliance team so that they can actually focus on the real risky activity and the tougher investigations. Joost van Houten, Chief Executive Officer of Sentinels, thank you very much.